All right, we're glad to have Brother Board with us uh, this morning. He was with us on Thursday, taught in our, our, um, in our uh, ministry workers things tomorrow. I don't want to take his time. We're so glad to have him, so let's give him a warm welcome. All right, good morning. Good morning. Please open your... Good morning. All right, we're good. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 11. Uh, time is very brief. Let's get into it. I, I thank uh, Miss Karina for that song. How, the question was posed, how can we reach a world that we never touch? The tendency, folks, is for us who know the Lord to hide behind these walls, and thank God for the walls, hide behind them, but we're gathered here this morning because there's a message that the people outside of these walls need. They're not going to have access to it unless we share it with them. We're going to share it by touching them, by having contact with them. Thank God for that song. I don't know about you, but for myself, it's all I could do to listen to it. Broke my heart. Because sometimes, I think it's all about us. I think it's about what takes place inside of these walls that's most important. It is important only if it translates into us making a difference out in the world. Amen. So whether you're called to go to Cambodia, like my family and I are, or you're called to be here, or somewhere in between, we're all called to make a difference. Amen? Yes, Amen. It's been good to be back for a little bit now. Um, our trip this time is very, very short. Gentlemen, okay, we got it. And um, it's been good to be in the college. I'll tell you what, and I was sharing with Pastor earlier, I feel like the spirit in our college this year is a good spirit. Meeting with the young people, and you know, you can pretty much, if you're used to talking to people and teaching, you can kind of read uh, countenances. Sometimes we misread. Sometimes I misjudge. I'm really good at misjudging people. I don't know about you. But it seemed like I could discern a spirit amongst those young people that they, they want to do what God wants them to do. Now, we as adults, we want to help support that. We want to affirm that. We want to empower them. We want to encourage them to do whatever God wants them to do. Amen? And I was especially encouraged by the group of young men that came up to talk afterwards. I was all done for the week, done teaching, sessions were over. No, I wasn't over. There was an hour more to go with a group of about ten guys that had questions and wanted to talk. And that was really encouraging. I shared Thursday night about a young man that confronted me in the bathroom. And as we know, men don't talk in the bathroom, do we? We just do our business and get out of there, unlike ladies. But this little guy, he looked at me and he said, hey, are you new around here? And I looked at him, and I said, yeah, kind of. He figured out I was a missionary. The thing that he said really, really struck my heart. Little guy, probably, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten years old. He said, when I get big, I want to be a missionary. Amen. Wow. And what he is saying is the things that we do here in Sunday school and junior church and the preaching hour and, and, our, and discipleship time and Christian school and public school, whatever we do here ought to relate in, in helping to stoke that vision and that passion for doing something that God wants him to do. He believes it's, I want to be a missionary. Church, I hope that's our spirit. That's really the reason why God's allowed us to have this place is in order to touch the nation's. So it's good to be here. Hey, we love the weather here. It's a lot. Somebody asked me this morning, hey, is the weather in Cambodia just like here in Long Beach? Not even close, guys. A lot different, okay? We're loving not sweating. We're loving to be able to take walks on American sidewalks. That's awesome. We don't have that over there. The only thing that's a little bit different for us this time is now we're walking neighborhoods in Lakewood in the evening, and we have to watch out because several homes we walk past the aroma of marijuana comes out, okay? 
and it just, my wife keeps lock, walk, liking to walk that block over and over. So pray for me about that. We'll take one last walk tonight. I think in order to help her to just be straight and everything, we're going to choose a different block. No matter where I choose, it's all the same. Back when I lived here, we would, we would actually pull people like that over. That was probable cause for pulling someone over. You smelled it. Okay, well, that's a different story. Acts chapter 11, we're going to talk a little bit this morning, the Lord's help, about the power of the gospel. Three brief points, and I'd like to really have time to share a couple of testimonies from the field, but we read with Brother Dan earlier here in the book of Acts. I love the book of Acts. Do you love the book of Acts? It's a book of action. Okay, and as many, in many of our Bibles, it's called the Acts of the Apostles, but really I believe it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit, the apostles that serve God under the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's the model that we want to have in our own life as well, but you know, you read the book of Acts, and you see miracles, you see the dead raised, you see demons cast out, but we see the most important things, the gospel was going forth in power, and the Bible says people were being added, saved and added to the church daily. Wow, praise God for that. Saved and added to the church on a daily basis. And here in Acts chapter 11, we don't have time to go into details, but we see here because of persecution that God's will is being fulfilled and the gospel is not only being preached to those of Jewish descent, but now it's going to go out to the Gentiles. And thank God the gospel went to us Gentiles. Amen? We're Gentiles. Okay? And thank God for that. And we see that the ministry is transitioning to being from Jerusalem now to Antioch. And we see because of persecution, believers were scattered. And the gospel was going some other places and has come here to Antioch. By the way, let me add this. There's one reason why, in many cases, the church in America, and I'm speaking at the church as a whole, okay? gospel preaching churches, are stagnant by and large here in America. By the way, God may be working here in our midst in a great way. Praise God for that. Many churches that Debbie and I will be in over the next few weeks before we head back to the field will be churches that plateaued many years ago. Plateaued. Some of them have a lot of people. Some of them have a few people. Hey, let's not be confused to think just because we're busting out the walls, praise God for that, but that doesn't necessarily equate to God's blessing. You know what equates to God's blessing? You know how we know if God's truly blessing our church? Because we come here, we get equipped, get empowered to live lives that are honoring, glorifying to Christ, holy lives, and we take what we're being equipped here in this, in this place, and we go out to the dark world, and we win people to Christ. And I believe we're doing that. But you know what helps a revival to take place in a country? is when there's persecution. You know, one, one reason why our believers there in Cambodia, by God's grace, are, have a passion for God and are willing to turn from a lot of things that, that were destructive and, and lots of things is because they see the testimony of other believers who, though they're persecuted, though some of them have lost nearly everything, but yet they're living for the Lord. And that persecution is, re, is, is resulting in souls being saved. I thank God for the freedom we have here in America, don't you? Yep. Hey, I'm thankful that when we leave here, we don't have to be worried about being arrested because we're this type of a Christian. Thank God for that. But church, we better take advantage of that while we have it because that time is quickly drawing to a close. 
And it has nothing to do with politics, has nothing to do with the economy. It has to do with we're in the end times, and the Bible says things are going to continually get worse and worse. But guess what? We live and we serve in the very best time in history. Because we serve in a time where there's no hope outside of these walls. <laughs> By and large, and we have that answer that they need, amen? And so we see here that the gospel is going to move uh, to uh, the Gentiles. Let's, let's take up in verse number 20 here. Uh, verse number 20. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which, when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to consider really briefly here the message of the soul winner. The message of the soul winner. So because of persecution, uh, folks spread abroad, and some of these people went to Antioch and began preaching. And what did they preach? They preached the Lord Jesus Christ. They preached the gospel. Now it's important to know that when the gospel came, the previous chapter, to a man named Cornelius, the gospel went, and Paul and Peter took the gospel to him, but Cornelius was a man, the Bible says, who didn't know the Lord. He was lost, but he feared God. He feared God. He desired to know truth. He desired to know who the creator God was. He wanted to be free of sin. And he got saved. But here it's interesting to know in Antioch, if you research Antioch, Antioch was not, by and large, a city full of people who were seeking after God. It was a city known for two things, predominantly for business and for immorality. And the pagan Roman religions that were there, and Greek religions and the idolatry, things such as temple prostitution, and all kinds of things that we wouldn't talk about publicly, was normal life. By the way, we look around us here and we see different things that are troubling and are perverse and definitely are opposed to God's word and to nature. Don't think we're living in unique times. It's been like that in the past as well. But the thing I want to challenge us with this morning is when the soul winners went and they preached, what did they preach? They preached the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. They preached the gospel. You know, church, to make a difference in our community... We don't need to fight against the culture. We don't need to jump on a bunch of different bandwagons. You know what we need to do? We need to take them the truth of the gospel. Yep. There's a God that loves them. I love our new tracks. Now, these may not be new, but it's the first time I've seen them. I love these. Okay? When we go soul winning, when you hand uh, the, 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 the guy at the Starbucks, you know, a tip, and you give him a track, and you don't have to make a fight with him. To, hey, did anybody tell you God loves you today? Right? Now, by the way, the, the gospel message isn't just that God loves you. That's the good news, right? And by the way, this morning, I want to say this. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, understand God loves you. He desires to have a saving relationship with you. That's the good news. But the bad news is, in short, if you reject him, ultimately, you won't go to a place of comfort when you die. One way to heaven. And so we see there that the soul winners preached the gospel... Very clearly, they didn't adapt their message to meet the felt needs of the culture. Again, let me say this. They weren't predominantly going and preaching to people who were saying, what must I do to be saved? They were different than Cornelius. Cornelius wanted to know truth. He just needed someone to tell him. By the way, there may be someone like that at your job tomorrow. They want to know how to know for sure they have a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. They're looking for hope. Maybe the only thing lacking is we haven't told them yet. Maybe they're prepared already. 
But on the same hand, there may be people in your job tomorrow, people in your family, people in your neighborhood who have no desire to hear anything you have to say about the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I say something? How are we going to connect with them? Show them love, show them compassion, but just tell them the truth. The, the gospel has power. And I hope we know the gospel is the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? To atone for our sins. Faith alone in what Jesus Christ did on the cross is all that's necessary. But we see there the message of the soul winner. Thank God for that. By the way, do you know how to share that message? Are you skilled at sharing your faith? Thank God we have soul winning training coming up sometime here. I don't remember when, but I know we have it on a regular basis. Let's say you attend church here, you're a part of the family here, and you don't know how to effectively share your faith. I encourage you, talk to your Sunday school teacher. Talk to one of the pastoral staff and say, hey, will you mentor me? Will you show me how to lead someone to Christ? I'm confident they'll be thrilled to do that. Every single one of us should be uh, skilled at sharing our faith. So we see the message of the soul winners. By the way, your missionaries have gone to places like Laos, Thailand, Cambodia with the message of the gospel. There's a lot of missionaries who leave places like America, Australia, Europe. They go to places like Cambodia, and very little of what they do actually relates to the gospel. I'm reminded of this quote right here. It says, if we eliminated disease, eradicated poverty, educated every child, and established world peace, but we failed to preach the gospel to every creature, we would have only made the world a better place from which to go to hell. Understand this, folks, when you pray for missionaries, when you give to missions, when you sacrificially give, many of you, to your faith promise missions, it's in order not to eliminate poverty around the world, to help people grow better crops. I'm, I'm for good, good crops. I'm for clean water. But we could do all of those things, and if we miss the main thing, preaching the gospel, we've wasted our time and we've wasted our money. I want you to know that this weekend in Asia, in many, many villages, your missionaries that you sent out, that you commissioned, were there, along with nationals, committed to spreading the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the message of the soul winner. That's the message that we're called uh, to preach and to teach here. But second of all, I'm going to see in verse 21, spirit-empowered soul winning. Let's look at verse 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. We don't have time to develop this, but the truth of the matter is, there is faithful soul winning, and I mentioned this yesterday during our, our workers' training, and I got a few faces like, what, are you sure that's biblical? There's faithful soul winning, and then there's spirit-empowered soul winning, and two aren't necessarily the same. Right here, we see this was spirit-empowered soul winning. They didn't go out in the power of the flesh. How do we know? Because the Bible says the hand of the Lord was with them, and many people believed. And church, let me ask you a question here. Does it ever seem as though we try to share our faith, we try to be bold and be a witness, and it seems like the gospel has lost its power? No one responds? No one gets saved? There might be two or three reasons why. Let me tell you quickly. Number one, it might be that the person we're trying to witness to has already decided in their heart for the very last time that they're going to reject the gospel. See, folks, we live in a culture that's been flooded with light. Let me say this this morning, that if there has been a time, maybe even today, maybe something in your adult Bible class, 
maybe through the songs, maybe through a, something you've talked with somebody today. And the Holy Spirit, it seems as though he's saying, you know what, you don't know for sure that if you were to die today, heaven's your home. And you have that conviction that you needed to respond. Let me encourage you to do that today. Because the truth of the matter is, if the Holy Spirit has convicted you of your need of salvation and you choose to reject it, there's no guarantee he's going to convict you again. Yeah. We need to understand that. You need to understand, somebody doesn't just get saved because we, we force them to get saved, we trick them into getting saved, they decide to get saved. The Bible says, if you hear the voice of God today, harden not your heart, today is the day of salvation. Amen. Sometimes, friends, it seems as though we try to share our faith, people don't respond, maybe they've already decided to reject it. You know what the good news is? It's bad news for them, but the good news is we can move on and we can find someone else who will be open. No shortage of people around us who need the gospel, amen? Amen? But sometimes, friends, it seems as though maybe the gospel has lost its power. Could it be that we're a dirty vessel and God won't use a dirty vessel? You know, church, if we're living in known sin, we're not perfect, but if we know there's areas not of compromise but of sin, because compromise is sin, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. If you and I are trying to serve the Lord while remaining in sin, known sin, don't be surprised when God can't use us. He won't use us. The gospel has power, but sometimes we negate that power. Let me say this this morning. There might be areas in your life, as sometimes there are in my life as well, that the Holy Spirit says, you know what? You can go out, you can witness, you can try to be a bold witness all you want, you can serve me, but I'm not in that thing. My hand is not going to be with you until you repent in a certain area. By the way, if there's an area in our family life, there's an area with, with whatever, with our finances, we're not an honest businessman. We can serve God all we want, but the Lord's hand is not going to be with us. We can bring a lot of people to church. That doesn't mean God's blessing is upon our church automatically. You know what the church is? The church is made up of individuals and families the church is only blessable in so much that we as individuals have the hand of the Lord on our lives. Is there an area in your life this morning that the Lord is showing you, saying, you know what, you need to turn. You need to get some things right. No reason to pray about it. Act upon it. Amen? Act upon it. You say, well, I wanted to come and be encouraged about missions. This is encouraging you about missions. The hand of the Lord was upon these soul winners. They were spirit-empowered soul winners because why? They were living to the best of their ability by God's grace, living under the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what I desire for my life. But you know, church, sometimes uh, the gospel seems to not have power. Why? Because we're not actually sharing it, right? Let me challenge you this morning. We know the message that we're supposed to preach. We know we're supposed to be spirit-empowered as we seek to serve the Lord, but we have to actually open our mouth and tell people how to be saved, Amen. You know, where we serve there, they already have the light of conscience. God has written his law upon their heart. They know right from wrong. They know by nature, Romans 1 says, they have the light of nature, but that what they don't have is the light of the gospel. And when we go to Cambodia, we have to open our mouth, not concerned about what the culture says, not concerned if they're open or not, simply tell them the truth of the gospel. And you and I have to do that too for the gospel to work. but we have to have lives that are honoring and glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, God has given every single one of us what the Bible says, this ministry of reconciliation. 
helping to bring people into a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And church, because of that, we need to remember this verse here, 2 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. Seeing therefore we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not. So we don't quit. We don't give up, okay? But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Now, in the context there, Paul was talking about <clears throat> not preaching the word of God deceitfully, but I want to apply it to our, our individual lives. I've been given a ministry of reconciliation. That's why I'm left here. That's why when I got saved at the age of 16, God didn't take me to heaven right away. And by the way, if you're here this morning and you're still breathing, he hasn't taken you to heaven yet either, right? Amen? Everybody quick, look at the person next to you. Make sure they're still alive and breathing. Okay, we're all good. Okay, all right. So that means if, you're, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, God has given you a ministry of reconciliation. That's why you and I can't have a secret life of dishonesty. We can't. The people outside these walls, we have to touch them. The Holy Spirit wants to use us to draw them to him. And I hope you're into that. I hope you understand that. We shouldn't be shocked, folks, when the world acts like the world. Right? It shouldn't shock us. But what we should be shocked is when, when we ourselves look in our mirror and we realize, you know what, we're acting like the world. Right? A lot we could say about that. <clears throat> I think we get the point. There in Cambodia, I think, I kind of discern, we're to a place in our ministries where people are being saved now because for the last decade they've been watching the lives of those who have accepted Christ in the early days. And it, I can say this, I believe, that it is salty Christians that God is using in Cambodia to draw people to him. Salty Christians. We know we're the salt, we're the light of the earth, we're the salt of the world, right? Light of the world, salt of the earth, one or the other, okay? Basically, we're light and salt. And one of the important functions of salt, of course, is it creates thirst. And so what I'm seeing there in Cambodia, what I'm discerning is that people from John back, from Muslim backgrounds, from different, different um, uh, ethnic minority religion backgrounds, from Buddhism, from agnosticism, from atheism, they're watching the testimony, they're watching the salty testimony of our church members. And one of the people that, that, that accepted Christ in the last several years is a lady here named Same. They're in the orange um, outfit, and uh, Same comes from a very, very rough background. But every Sunday, she would uh, drive her bicycle, ride her bicycle out in front of our church, and on the back of her bicycle, she would sell boiled peanuts. How many of you like boiled peanuts? I don't care for them too much, okay? But she would sell boiled peanuts and, um, what's it called? Roasted sweet potatoes. Now, I didn't mind those too much, okay? But you know, every Sunday morning, she would park her bike probably 50 yards or so down the street from our church... And listen to the microphones, okay? Now, she would listen to our church sing. She would listen to the church sing, and she would wait for our church to be dismissed, to come out into the street, and she would stand there, and she would watch the people giving each other high fives, laughing together, hugging, sometimes praying together, just having a good time. And she would stand back week after week, and this is what she desired in her life. You see, she wasn't on the inside of those four walls. She was on the outside of the walls. She desired to have that in her life. 
She didn't know why our church members had joy. She didn't know why they could get along. She didn't know why there were different ethnic groups at our church, speak different languages, but there's no cultural distinctions in our church. We're simply the body of Christ. She didn't understand all that, but she knew she saw something that she wanted. To make a long story short, it's fantastic how she came to Christ, but she did get saved several months later. She accepted Christ, and her life radically changed. She went from despair, hopelessness, to a place of hope and great joy. She became a salty Christian because the right message was preached to her, not through preaching, not through a track, but through an example of salty Christians. You see, she couldn't have received the gospel through a track or through preaching or inviting her to come sit in a church. She had her religion. She had what her ancestors gave her. And she was faithful to that. Though she didn't have a lot economically, she would sacrifice for her small g gods. But she didn't have what we had. But you know how she got it? Because of a testimony of believers who had radically been changed. Well, there was a man watching her for probably three or four years. This man here on the left-hand side, his name is Gri. And Grandpa, we call him Grandpa Gri, Da Gri. He was a former monk for many years, a Buddhist monk. For many years, he was steeped in darkness, and not just himself, and, and different cultural things that were very, very evil. But furthermore, he would lead people into that. He was their leader. But he was watching Same, who is his niece, and he observed a brand new niece. Same face, but now a life that was filled with joy. And you can imagine the changes that would take place in someone who has moved from darkness to light. And it was so obvious. Just like in our lives, church, if we're saved, it's going to be obvious that we're God's child. No way to be a true secret Christian, really, for very long. And so he would watch her, and the day came when he said, hey, what's up with you, niece? Why are you so different? And she had the opportunity to bring soul winners there, begin meeting with him, and to make a long story short, after several weeks, he understood that everything he was doing in his religious paradigm, okay, his cultural things he was doing, was for naught. It was useless. But that in Jesus Christ, he could have a saving relationship with the God who created him. And he got saved. The right message was preached. It was preached through lives that were spirit-empowered and changed. And here's the exciting thing. When he got saved at the, over 70 years old, I believe he was 72 or so when he got saved, he has now as his number one desire in life to learn as much about the Bible and obey it for one goal. This is his goal. So that he can win others to Jesus Christ. Amen. Every time I see him, He's part of one of our satellite congregations, so I only see him about every six weeks or so. Every time I see him, he comes up to me and says, Pastor, thank you so much for bringing the gospel to me in time. Well, so church, you're the ones that sent us, right? God called us, but you sent us. Thank you, church, for faithfully praying and giving to your missions ministry so that men like Same and Gree can hear the right gospel, can come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, and now, now can live for a purpose that's eternal. You have a part in that. Yeah. Your partner is with us in the ministry. This picture on the right-hand side is very exciting. You see Mr. Gree there in a white shirt standing up, but you see two men sitting down. The one in the white shirt that's sitting down, uh, he's, he's um, 82 years old. His name is Brum. He is a lay priest in the temple even until today. 
But he comes to our brand new satellite church, which we'll show our video again tonight. The fifth church plant, the one that had the dogs running in and out. He's part of that. He's not saved yet. But he wants to come and learn more. And we believe very soon he's going to accept Christ. How do we have access to him? Because Sane got saved through the testimony of salty Christians. Three got saved because of the salty testimony of her. Now he is doing what? He's living for something that's eternal. He wants to see his friends that he served with in false religion come to know Jesus Christ also. And he's brought the gospel to that village. Thank you for having a part in that. And the message that we preach is the same message that was preached right here in Acts chapter 11. Well, we also want to see that the gospel brings gladness. The gospel brings gladness. Look in verse number 23. Of course, they sent Barnabas. Okay? And right here, basically, we have the church heard rumors that things were going on with the Gentiles, and that the gospel was being preached, and lives were being changed. And you know what they did? They sent the leader on a missions trip. By the way, let me say this. You say, I just don't have the passion for souls that I should. You know what I guarantee will happen if we do what the Bible says? Go on a missions trip. Go check it out. Hey, do you pray for your missionaries? Do you give to your missions ministry? You know what you ought to want to do? Go on a missions trip and see what's going on. Make sure we're not making it up. You can come anytime. You don't have to call us first. Just show up. Now, if you just show up, I can't guarantee you'll have a place to sleep, but at least you'll be in the country, okay? And this is what Barnabas did. They said, hey, Barney, you need to go check this out. We want to get a report, see what's going on. And here's what happened, verse 23. Who, when he came and had seen the grace of God. By the way, what's happening there in Southeast Asia is the same thing as happening here. It's the grace of God. God's unmerited favor. Okay, lives being changed by, not because of us, but because this is God's plan. We're simply a tool, just like you are here. But when he saw it, when he had seen the grace of God, he was what? He was glad. The gospel brings gladness. We know heaven is filled with joy when one sinner repents. Uh, We know that the sinner is filled with joy when he moved from darkness to light, from death to life. But here we see a believer was filled with joy. He was glad. Let me ask you this question as we close. What brings you joy? What is it that you enjoy most in life? A lot of things I enjoy. But you know what ought to bring me the most amount of joy is when my life is used to bring God joy. Are you joyful? Do you rejoice when sinners accept Christ, when they begin to grow, when you see that God begins to change their Does that bring you joy? Or are you kind of like, eh, whatever. Don't be like that. You know, someone one time says that the character of a man or a woman is often revealed by what it takes to make him laugh and what it takes to make him cry. So much we could say about that. A lot of things that aren't wrong that can make us laugh. You know, we enjoy a great ball game. Um, I researched recently, what is the average length of an NFL game? Three hours, 12 minutes. That brings a lot of joy to a lot of people in America. Let me ask you this, does, does studying God's word Does preaching, does fellowship with other believers, does serving the Lord, does that bring you joy? You say, well, I don't want to get too radical here. What brings you joy? But likewise, what causes your heart to grieve? 
A lot of things that are worth us grieving, but the primary thing is when we understand that folks will either spend eternity in heaven or in hell, many times dependent upon how we are. Are we walking in the spirit? Are we bold in our witness? Are we trying to reach them? See, God is not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to him. What makes you laugh? What makes you cry? You know, we live in a culture, guys, where uh, we become immune to this, but we come back, and, and as we travel, we're in different hotels between meetings and whatnot, and we see commercials, and generally speaking, I mute commercials, because I don't like commercials. But some of the commercials I see are just totally annoying to me. They're pulling at my heartstrings for things that have no value eternally whatsoever. And they're trying to get me to cry about things that don't matter. By the way, if my heart is moved by homeless cats... And, my, and I'm serious, I'm serious. But my heart is not moved as I sit there realizing that sometimes I can hide behind stained glass windows and think I'm serving God and making a difference, and I'm not. And that doesn't move me, but a homeless pet moves my heart. That shows I have the wrong priorities, right? So church, um, hey, we are you, Okay. Uh, as Pastor Meyer said, we spent many years here. We are you. I just want to remind us, let's make sure we're moved by the things that move the heart of God. Amen. Make sure our heart grieves by the things that really, really matter. Yep. Are you saved? Do you know how to share your faith? Are you sharing your faith to the best of your ability, surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ, surrendered to the Holy Spirit? Can you say that as you serve the Lord, the hand of the Lord is with you? You'll know because lives will be changed your testimony. And church, this morning, thank you for standing with us there in Cambodia. Tonight, Lord willing, we'll talk more about it, maybe share some more stories, some testimonies. But I want to encourage us, hey, if we're called to stay here at home, we're called to do the same thing that these people here did. Have the right message. Yes, sir. Be spirit-empowered. And be moved by the things that truly matter. Encourage your children not to have temporal values, but to focus on things that are eternal. Amen? Let us stand together. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm going to hand it back to Pastor. Thank you for being attentive. Let's bow our head and close our eyes for a minute. Thank you for that great, great message about the gospel. Is that the desire of your life, to get the good news to those who don't have it? That's not for a select few. That's for everyone. When's the last time you've even just handed out a track, invited someone to church, thought about their eternal soul? Before we even think of that, let me ask you this. Do you know that you've been saved? Has the gospel got to you yet? Let me ask you this question. Are you sure that you know Jesus Christ? Are you 100% for sure if you were to die today that you would go to heaven? Or do you have any doubt whatsoever? With nobody looking around, if you would say, you know, that's Pastor, that's me. I'm not 100% for sure that if I were to die today, I'd go to heaven. But what Brother Board said spoke to me. I want to know for sure. I don't quite understand the gospel, but I would like to know for sure. Pastor, with nobody looking around, you say, that's me, Pastor. Would you pray for me? Just raise your hand for a second. I'll pray for anybody at all. 
Anybody at all? Let's ask ourselves this. Are we, what are we doing to get the gospel out? If we're not going outside the walls of this church, we're just playing church. And I love being at church. I love being in the services, but I don't want to just be a social center. We have a greater purpose than that. The purpose is to get the gospel to the lost. Piano is going to play. If God spoke to you at all, why don't you come? Maybe you're at it and you're like, you know, Lord, I want to be better at this, Lord. I want you to lead me. I want your power as I share the good word of salvation. Piano plays, why don't you come?